Before we begin, I want to recommend a book to you uh, across these next 40 days. You probably won't, well, maybe you'll read it all in 40 days if you're a fast reader. We've recommended this before, but this is uh, Tim Keller's book, Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. It's a fantastic uh, resource. If you're new to praying, if you're a beginner, uh, or if you're a seasoned pro, uh, then this is a fantastic resource for you. He looks at some of the sort of the great theologians of the past and their uh, treatment on prayer, how they've talked about prayer, how they've taught on prayer, and condenses that down into some really uh, accessible and helpful uh, ways. So I really just recommend that to you, commend it to you as best I can. Uh, I've just realised I forgot to pick up the clicker as well. So Gareth's going to come and uh, pass it along. It's all uh, sanitised, I'm sure. Um, We're beginning a series for the next several weeks on prayer that's going to take us right up to Easter. We're going to look at various aspects of what it means to pray and what it means to be a praying uh, people. Uh, When I was a child growing up, this was uh, my parents uh, were Christians, they were uh, we were part of a church plant from a very young age. That was sort of all I knew, really. Uh, and on their fridge, they had a magnet or a sticker, I think it was, actually. So it was even more permanent than a magnet. And I can remember distinctly the day that I got this pun. I must have been maybe about six or seven. Uh, and it said this, seven days without prayer makes one week. And I'd read it a number of times. Uh, and then I realized one day it dawned on me, oh, Weak, as in you're a weak person, and weak, it has seven days. And I remember excitedly telling my mum as if she hadn't realised when she'd bought the sticker, um, but she obviously did know. know. Um, But I was pleased with myself nonetheless. The question I want to ask this morning is, do you want to see a significant move of God in your lifetime? Do you want to see a significant move of God in your life personally? Do you want to see change that will not just be for a moment and then revert back, but something change that will happen and will last? We can see that in our lives, in this nation and in the world. If you uh, have looked outside your window or read a newspaper or looked online at any kind of news outlet, regardless of what flavour you choose, you surely recognise that the world needs to change. Something needs to happen in our, in our world that we live in. In this moment, something needs to happen. The Bible is very clear and very obvious in how it communicates things. Often we try and complicate things because we don't want to follow through. It's actually the Bible is often very clear in what we, how we should be doing things, how we should be behaving. But we seek to try and add in conditions or over-spiritualise things in order to uh, let ourselves off the hook in some way. But this is the reality. If we want to see a significant move of God, we must kill whatever competes with God. I understand my vernacular there. To sit on the throne of our lives. Whatever it is that's competing in your life with God for authority and that place of ruling and reigning in your life, you have to get rid of it. You have to be violent almost with it when Jesus spoke about these sorts of things he said if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out if your hand causes you to sin cut it off we must be ruthless with these things that compete with God and we do this through 
partially through prayer and fasting. And that's the, if we want to see a significant move of God, prayer is the foundation for that to happen. What do we want to see that more than? Do we want to see a move of God more than you want to be comfortable? More than you want to have a fun life? More than you want to be right about how that move of God is going to happen? More than you want to be successful in your career? More than you want to have the perfect family? If we want to see God move, which I'll tell you, a lot of those things would happen if we saw God move anyway. Prayer is the foundation for that. In the uh, book of Nehemiah, uh, it says this. uh, This is the beginning of the book of Nehemiah. And the context of this is that the... uh, um, Israel are a defeated nation. He's been taking, he's working for another king. Uh, he's, he's a cupbearer, so he's got sort of a fairly sort of good position. But the, a report comes to Nehemiah, and it says this in Nehemiah uh, 1. This is verses 1 to 4, where verse 4 will come up on the screen. Uh, the words, uh, it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa in the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. I'm just going to read the next verse in a minute. Basically, this is he's saying, what is he saying? There's no defense in the city. The walls are broken down. The gates have been destroyed by fire there. They're ashes. What would have been strong gates? You can't come in. Ashes. Something needed to change. The the people of God, the house of God, the city of God was in disrepair. This is Nehemiah's response. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. If you don't know the story, what happens is Nehemiah goes to uh, the king that he's working for uh, and says, "Um, I want to go back to the the country that I'm from, from, to Jerusalem, and I want to rebuild the city. I want to rebuild Jerusalem and I want to sort of build up Israel again. And Actually, this king who was uh, effectively part of the, the group that have destroyed the, the nation of Israel says, yeah, okay, and here's the stuff to do it. And he, he's, because of Nehemiah's prayers and because of his, his interceding on behalf of the, the city of God, he is granted favor with those who would, on paper would be the enemies of God. Again, in the Old Testament, Hannah who's the mother of Samuel the prophet, she can't have children. She is barren, as they, as they say. She prays and fasts and asks God to move in her life. She's praying, and it's a, this is how it describes her prayer. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She's praying, and she's doing it in such a way that the priest who's there, Eli, thinks that she's drunk. And he says to her, how long are you going to be drunk, woman? Sort yourself out and start following God. 
She says, no, I'm just desperate. I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm just praying so desperately for God to move in my life. God moves in her situation. She has a son, Samuel, who then leads the nation of Israel. If we skip forward to the New Testament, Jesus tells his disciples, wait for the power Wait for the Holy Spirit to come and you will see power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he ascends to heaven. And then very often what we do is when we're talking about this, we skip to Pentecost and we say, and they waited and the power came and the gospel gets shared. What were they doing while they were waiting? This is Acts 1.14. It says, all these, the followers of Jesus, the disciples were of one accord, devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In between Jesus's ascension and the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost, they're praying. They're together praying. Then a little bit further on in Acts 4, Andy spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. So I'm not going to go into too much detail, but when the church comes against persecution and resistance and opposition, what do they do? They pray. Acts 4, verses 23, 24, and then skipping to 31 says, when they, were, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's just a very brief overview of some of the, the passages in the Bible where people crying out to God precedes, is a precursor, is the foundation for a dramatic, powerful move of God. And it's not just consigned to the Bible. There was, uh, in uh, the last century, there was a, a huge revival in uh, the Outer Hebrides. Uh, the Isle of Lewis is sort of one of the ones that's famous. There's a guy here called Duncan Campbell, who was, uh, you can listen to him telling the story of that. If you search on, uh, on your search engine of choice, Google or YouTube or whatever, if you search Lewis Revival, uh, you can hear him telling the story. There's some good versions of that. I listened to it a number of years ago. It's very encouraging. Um, it will birth faith in you, will stir you up. He says this, this is Duncan Campbell, who's often credited with, he was the guy who brought revival to Lewis. He says this, I did not bring revival to Lewis. Revival had already broken out before I arrived. And actually he talks about these two ladies here uh, Peggy and Christine Smith, who at 82 and 84, they were unable. One of them was blind. One of them was sort of uh, doubled over, sort of almost paralyzed, as it were, with arthritis. Um, they couldn't go to their church. They couldn't physically get there. And so they, they turned their home that they lived together in into uh, you know, a, a place of prayer, a sanctuary. Uh, uh, they devoted themselves to praying for the churches, they, this was their prayer, the church of their fathers would be filled with young people. That's what they prayed. They were instrumental 
in revival breaking out, their devotion to prayer. And in a nearby barn to them, some church leaders were gathered, some men were gathered to, to pray together, a group of men. And they were praying, and as they were praying, 